Uh, if y'all have a Bible, if you will open to uh, Mark chapter 14. Mark 14. How y'all doing this morning? Sure? <laughs> okay, that's good. Uh, I'm, I'm, I was telling people, I just don't have a lot of energy this morning, and I'm trying to figure out why. And part of it was um, I was working on my boat trailer yesterday. Uh, I bought a new boat trailer, and my boat doesn't fit on there quite right. It needed some adjusting, and so I started adjusting and, and uh, doing different things, and I still got some adjustments to make. I got to get it ready for when I go on vacation um, in a few weeks, and, uh, um, but I was out in the, in the heat and turning wrenches and doing things that I don't do a lot of, and I think it wore me out more than I thought. So pray for me that I'll get some energy. Caterade. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Mark chapter uh, 14. We are, this is going to be the last message in Mark. And uh, if you start in Mark 14, you see the first few verses talks about uh, uh, a time where um, a woman comes in and anoints Christ. Uh, that actually, it's interesting when you read scripture, sometimes in our Western brains and the way we read things, everything's supposed to be chronological. Well, the Bible's not a Western written book, it's an Eastern written book, so the authors a lot of times put things in just to make an emphasis of something. So it's not chronological, and this is one of those things in that first part where it talks about the, the woman breaking that uh, alabaster box and anointing Jesus and, and, uh, and all of that, that actually happened the Saturday before. And we, it's recorded in John, and there's other things there. But Mark emphasizes that to understand that, that Jesus is on his way to the cross. We're coming into the last things that he is teaching, and uh, um, the passion is getting ready to happen. We're going to pick up, though, in, in, in verse 12. The Bible says, And the first day of unleavened bread, when they killed the Passover, his disciples said unto him, where wilt thou that we go and prepare that thou mayest eat Passover? Excuse me. And he sendeth forth two of his disciples and saith unto them, Go ye into the city, and there shall you meet a man bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him. And wheresoever he shall go, uh, in ye shall uh, in, say ye to the good man of the house, My master saith, Where is the guest chamber? Where shall I eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room, furnished and prepared. There, make ready for us. And his disciples went forth and came unto the city and found, as he had said unto them, and made ready the Passover. There's some lot of interesting things in this little passage here. One, we're talking about a Pass the Passover. Uh, how many of you are really familiar with that? Okay, a few. I grew up in Miami, and we had Jewish neighbors, and I went to school with lots of Jewish people, and we, they celebrated Passover, and we study it in, in Exodus. You find out what it is. This is, a, this is a, um, a feast. It consisted of roast lamb, unleavened bread, a dish of bitter herbs, um, and the, the lamb reminded the Jews of the blood that was applied to the doorpost in Egypt to keep the angel of death away. It's a very important holiday in the Jewish, uh, in the Jewish calendar, and it was important to, to, to meet here. 
Um, the Passover lamb was selected on the 10th day of the month of Nisan. That's our March or April. Okay. They examined that, that lamb to make sure it had no blemishes, and then it was slain on the 14th day of the month. The lamb had to be slain in the temple precincts and the supper eaten within the Jerusalem city limits. And, and for Jews, the Passover feast was just a memorial of a past victory. But we're going to see that Jesus is going to turn this memorial of a past victory uh, into something brand new. He's going to institute a new supper that will be a memorial of his death. Now, you, you, I, I love how Peter and uh, we think it was Peter and John that were, who were sent in to um, get the Passover room ready. And they were obedient. They did what they were told. And it was interesting and we may not pick that up in our, our minds here. It says, go find a, a man carrying a water bottle. We said, okay, let's go find the guy with the water. That's really weird because guys didn't carry water then. That's a woman's job. Y'all didn't get that. That's a woman's job. Women were supposed to carry water and do all this stuff, and, and men just kind of sat back and, and talked. Yeah, I'll give, we'll have rebellion here in that. <laughs> Listen, it, this was a strange thing to see a man carrying this pot. And, and that, because that women carried that. And what's this man, this man that, that carried it? There, there's some speculation. The speculation is that this man may have been John Marks, the man who, who wrote this gospel, his father. We know from the book of Acts and from other writings that, uh, that John Mark's home was a place where that was really central in the uh, early church and that um, uh, his family was prominent in the early church. So there's a thought that it may be John Mark's house. And it's a two-story house. Um, that means that these people were, were pretty uh, wealthy. And it was really a neat thing. And, and it started, this dinner would start at sundown, and at that point in time, in April, sundown in, in Jerusalem came around 6 p.m. So the meal would have started early, around 6 o'clock. Just kind of give me some background here. And during this meal, one of, the, one of the, the most horrible things that could ever happen happened. Our Savior was betrayed. Look at verse uh, 18. And as they sat... And did eat, Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, one of you which eateth with me shall betray me. And they began to be sorrowful and to say unto him one by one, Is it I? And another said, Is it I? And he answered and said unto them, It is one of the twelve that dippeth with me in the dish. The Son of man indeed goeth as it is written of him, but woe to the man by whom the Son of man is betrayed. Good were it, for if that man, if he had never been born. We're going to see here where Judas is going to betray Jesus. Now, this betrayal takes on a lot of things within this culture. Because, see, it's a very hospitable culture. And if you're sitting at a table with someone and you're dipping bread with them, I mean, that means you're intimate, and it's thought that Judas was sitting right to, to Jesus' left in kind of a, a, a position of honor. And this Judas, he, he uh, 
Wow. He breaks not only the, the, the table of fellowship, that intimate bond. I mean, he is very, very close. He is just denying Jesus' superior rank. He is denying who Jesus is. He is, it, it's horrifying for, for a person of Eastern culture to understand the depth of this betrayal that someone this close, who had that close of fellowship, who was being honored in that way, would, would revolt and betray his Lord. Oh. The disciples, they're, they're, they're asking themselves if they're a traitor. It would probably be more like, it's not me, is it? I didn't, I'm not going to do that, am I? Judas knew what he was going to do. Judas, Judas knew Whatever his reasons were, and, and you know, it, it's it's funny that that so many commentators or so many people, even books have been written. Um, there was a novel written years ago. I read it by an uh, author named Taylor Caldwell called "I Judas," and it tried to portray Judas as really kind of a hero trying to force Jesus into something. And let's just put all that away. Judas was a traitor. He was evil. The Bible says that Satan entered into him. He wasn't a good guy. There's no way to try to work that in. There's no way to, to try to, 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 to make it where his, uh, um, his motives justified what he did. He wasn't a, a helpless victim. He had the opportunity to, to turn to Jesus, to follow Jesus, and he never did do that. And Judas was lost really for the same reason that millions are lost today. He did not repent of his sins. He did not believe in Jesus Christ. See, if you've been born again, one day we're going to, to, to uh, for eternity, we're going to celebrate with the Lord. But those, those who never received Christ, they're going to wish they had never been born at all. Well, Jesus goes on. And he's starting something new. It's a new covenant. Thank you for a new covenant. Mark 14, 22. And as they did eat, Jesus took bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and they all drank of it. And he said unto them, this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many. Verily I say unto you, I drink no more of the fruit of the vine until that day I drink it new in the kingdom of God. During this time of, uh, of Passover, it's very um, customary that the bread and the wine um, would be blessed before the meal. And it's also thought, too, that there are four cups of red wine that were used in the Passover meal. And scholars debate this stuff. They don't know if they're in the third cup um, or the fourth cup, which follows the bread. Or let's what, guess what? That really doesn't matter. <laughs> Bottom line is there was a cup, there was bread, and Jesus is starting something new. A covenant is only ratified by a blood sacrifice. God redeemed the people from Egypt by the blood of the Passover lamb. Are you starting to see some of the connections here? We are at the Passover. They are celebrating the being freed from, Israel, uh, from bondage in Egypt. 
bondage from the world. They're free. They're, they're celebrating that freedom. They're celebrating the fact that, that, that God instituted this covenant with them, and they would um, kill the lamb, and the, and the blood of the lamb was put on the, the doorpost and the, and the uh, lentils, and the, that, uh, the angel of death would pass over that house, and the firstborn would stay alive. There was a covenant there. There was a promise of rescue. And what we're seeing now is Jesus. Jesus is the Lamb of Christ. Remember that? Isn't that what uh, John the Baptist said? Behold the Lamb of Christ. We are starting to see the, the parallels, the Old Testament prophecies coming to, to effect here. And, and Jesus is, he is going to be the Passover Lamb. This Passover ritual interrupted the cup, but it did not inter interrupt its blood because Jewish law and custom were revolted by the, by the idea of drinking any creature's blood. Look, read that note out of context. Look, throughout history, people have said that we're cannibals because we eat the body and blood of Christ. We're not. It's all symbolic. A Jewish person would not ever do that. They were not, I mean, if you look in Acts, you see that the study, one of the first things that with Gentile converts is just don't drink any blood. That's not, that's an offensive thing to, to Jewish people. So this is not the literal blood of Christ or his, his, his people would have not, his disciples wouldn't have taken it. They couldn't have been a good Jew that way. And it's not his literal body. It's symbolic of the body that was broken. It's symbolic of the blood that Jesus shed as the Lamb of God that we might be passed over. Verse 26 says this. After the meal, it was customary to sing psalms from the Haliel, which consisted of Psalms 113 to 118. The walk to Mount Olives took about 15 minutes, and the verse says... <clears throat> After they did this, they went to and said a song, sang a song, and went to the Mount of Olives. Okay. What are we going to do with this stuff? Try to teach through this Passover thing, and we could get really bogged down in all the things, and it's a fascinating study, but I don't want to get bogged down in all the little ritual parts of it. What I want you to understand is there's a new covenant that has now been established. And out of this new covenant, we must partake of that new covenant. We must be part of the new covenant. We must partake of the new covenant. Let, let me, um, me kind of give you some reasons, well, some ways, whys and hows in this. Because if we want to partake in the new covenant, covenant, we have to place our faith in the sacrifice of Jesus. Listen to this. And they did eat. Jesus took bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and they all drank of it. And he said unto them, this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, you see Paul uh, correcting the Corinthian church because they did some strange things, but you see the same type of thing. He quotes Jesus here in uh, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three. For I received of the Lord that which I also delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, 
the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After the same manner, he took the cup. When he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Jesus was saying, this is my body. Jesus gave this a new meaning to the eating of bread. The unleavened bread symbolized the, the serving of the Israelites from the old life in, 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 in Egypt. It showed that that was severed. It represented a separation from worldliness. It, 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 it was a separation from sin. And, and the cup, well, that, that was a new covenant in the blood. It was the shedding of blood, the sacrifice that's always required of God in any covenant, and it was the, the sacrifice that was required for salvation. Hebrews tells us, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. There is no forgiveness without the blood sacrifice that Jesus gave. That's an amazing thing. And here we see Jesus showing forth that right thing. You see, we have got to place our faith in Jesus. We have got to, we've got to take and place our faith in this new covenant where he shed his blood for us. Romans chapter 12, or chapter 5, it says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into his grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than now being justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. You see, we have a problem. Romans 6.23 says, For all have sinned and come short, or 3.23, all have sinned come short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus, when he instituted this new covenant, his broken body, his shed blood to pay the price for our sin, to free us from death. There's three types of death. Did y'all know that? There's spiritual death. That's separation from God. And you can see that in Ephesians chapter 1. And, and, uh, uh, and then there's a physical death. We all are familiar with that. And then there's eternal death. It's called the second death, and we see that mentioned in Revelation. You see, when sin entered the human race through Adam, all these aspects of death came in. Adam, can you, Adam was not subject to any type of death when he was created. I can't even imagine. I can't get my head around that. He, he was eternally made, and yet he chose something that was going to cause death. doesn't make sense. That spiritual death, that eternal separation of God, it, it, it made the paycheck for every person's slavery to sin. You see, when Adam sinned, it all passed upon us, and, and there was a paycheck that had to be done. That, 
that sin had to be paid for. And either we can try to pay for it, or we can trust someone who could pay for it. That's what Jesus is all about. He paid for the sin. He paid the paycheck for us. I'm glad I don't have to pay it. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough good works. I, don't, I can't be perfect. I'm all messed up. I'm broken. And, and, and so are you. No matter how good we try to be, we can't be good enough. We needed somebody who could pay it. I've uh, in my life gotten a few tickets and had to pay a few fines. And sometimes I had to borrow money to pay fines and then had to pay it back to somebody else. Yeah, I know. You, you have never done that. <clears throat> See, we had a debt we couldn't pay. And that new covenant paid the debt for us. That's really what Jesus is all about. You know, it's really not that difficult. It's just pretty simple. He paid for something we couldn't pay for. By dying on that cross, by giving his blood, and by rising again. So we, as believers, we, if you're not a believer, you need to partake in that new covenant so you can be forgiven. So you could be exempt from that death, those three different types of death, and you can have eternal life. Acts says, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name above under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. So there it is. If we're going to partake this new covenant, to do that, we have to put our faith in Jesus. Why? For eternal life, for the forgiveness of sins. That's why he did all of it. Also, if we're going to partake in this new covenant, we have to obediently follow the commands of Jesus. Look at this. Mark 14, verse 13. He sendeth forth two of his disciples to say unto them, Go ye into the city, and there shall you meet a man bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him. Isn't that amazing? They went in and did what he told them to do. And it worked out. Earlier, the, ne the, the week before, or right the, the Sunday before this, he had told them to go and to uh, um, just go in town. There's going to be a, 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 um, a donkey there, and uh, um, you go get that donkey and bring it back, and I'm going to ride it in. They went and did what he, they told him to do. It didn't make any sense just go in and find the donkey. It didn't make any sense go find the guy with the water pot. I'm surprised Peter didn't say something like, hey, hey, Jesus, don't you know guys don't carry water pots? That's a woman's job. No, they just, they went and they did it. And you see, when we partake in this new covenant, when we receive that eternal life that is given to us through that, we need to obediently follow his commands. Hebrews 13, 20 says this, Now the God of peace that bought again from the dead our Lord Jesus that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ to whom glory be forever and ever. See, once we, we partake of this wonderful gift of eternal life, it only makes sense that we're going to follow and do whatever Jesus tells us to do. I mean, listen, 
If you owed a million dollars, well, let's, let's, let's get him, but let's go with, with a billion dollars because a million doesn't seem to go far today. You owe somebody a billion dollars. And I came in and I said, here, here's a billion dollars in cash because I don't trust banks. I want cash. Better than that, it, it, here's a billion dollars in gold. You go pay your debts. You'd be pretty thankful, wouldn't you? And if I said, hey, you know, um, can, you, can you do something for me? You'd more than likely say, yeah, I'd be happy to do whatever you want to do. I'll, 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 thank you. The debt that Jesus paid is much more than a billion dollars. And eternal life is worth a whole lot more. So wouldn't it just, doesn't it make sense? We're just going to follow whatever you say, Jesus, I'll do it. Sometimes you may not like what he says, but you, you're going to do it. Right? So let me give you some of the commands that Jesus has given us. It just Because sometimes we go, well, man, it's so hard to figure all this stuff out. It's not that hard. Well, and that's why I can do this. Because it's not too hard. One of the first things Jesus asks us to do is to learn and to do. John 14, verses 15 to 21, it starts this way. It says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Well, that's pretty easy, right? First of all, I got a feeling you love him. Then we're going to keep it. We're going to obey what he says, keep his commandments. He says, and I will pray the Father. He shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, which the world cannot see, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. And I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world seeth me no more. But, I, but ye see me, because I live. Ye shall live also. And that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it, it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. So here's what we have to do. We have to learn what those commandments are, and then we have to do them. And you know the really cool thing about that is he just didn't leave us hanging. Like we got to do this all on our own. He gave us the Holy Spirit. That's who that comforter is. And later in that same chapter, the Holy, it talks about the Holy Spirit, that, that he's going to bring things to our remembrance, and he's going to teach us, and we're going to be able to learn all those commandments that, that, that Jesus wants us to do, and then we'll be able to follow him, and he'll actually empower us to do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. Man, that's like a win-win, isn't it? You ever think of it that way? Instead of, oh, man, i got to keep this. i got to love my neighbor like myself. I don't like my neighbor. How can I love him? I gotta love my enemy. Oh no, I don't want to do that. No, Holy Spirit gives us power to, to discover those commandments and to follow those commandments. And He's given us eternal life, so we might as well just follow those commandments. We have to learn what those commands are, and then we have to do them. Not only that, we need to repent, believe, and follow. Mark 1:14. Now, after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye, and believe the gospel. Now, as he walked by the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, as that, for they were fishers. And he said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. Ephesians 2, um, 1 through 10 
goes a whole lot that we are created in Christ Jesus unto good works and we are to, 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 to follow him and to do uh, those things, whatever he asks us to do. We're back into that command. But the first one is repent. We got to turn away from doing things our way and, and, and do them his way. Um, he tells people to repent. Those people who never heard of him, those people who never understood the gospel, they got to turn from trying to do it themselves to Jesus. And we got to try to help them do that. Not by sticking our finger in their face. We just have to show them the truth. As we teach them the truth, what's the, what's the Bible said? The truth will set you free. And then we just got to go follow him. By the way, we follow, everyone follows somebody. Wouldn't it make sense that we followed the Son of God? One of the third commands is to be baptized. It says, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the, the Holy Ghost. In Acts chapter 8, there's a great story about a, a, a Philip the Evangelist. or He was actually a deacon in the Jerusalem church. And, and um, persecution came and scattered people around. And Philip's out, he was in Samaria, and he was... He was uh, um, teaching and people were coming to know Christ and, and he got a message from God, uh, Acts 8, 26, and the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip saying, arise, go toward the south into the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. Then he arose and he went, and behold, a man in Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge over all her treasure, had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? Yeah. Okay, get the picture. There's this really, really rich guy. He's in charge of all the treasury of Ethiopia. Works for the queen. He is seeking God. He has gone to Jerusalem and he is leaving Jerusalem. He bought some scripture, the, 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 the prophet Isaiah. And, and you know all that stuff's handwritten. It's super expensive. And he's sitting in a wagon going back to, to Ethiopia. And he's reading this stuff. And, and, and God sends this guy Philip there. This is a divine appointment. God's mate puts all this together. And, and so he's reading and Philip goes, hey, man, do you understand what you're reading? That's the modern English. The Ethiopian, the, the Ethiopian said this, and he said, how can I accept such some man guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. Well, Philip's running, so that's a pretty good opportunity. Come on up, sit here with me and talk to me. The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare this, his generation, for his life is taken from the earth? Sounds like what Jesus did on the cross, doesn't it? The new covenant. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus and as they were on their way, they came to a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? 
And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down both into the water, both the Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. Wow. You know, we're supposed to do that. We're supposed to be baptized. Notice the, 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 how the order happened. Someone was seeking God. They're wanting to find out who this, this God is. They have scripture. Things are going on. God sends somebody there to explain that scripture. That person puts their faith in Jesus. And then they were baptized. They went down into the water. I think the last time we did a baptism here was Easter. And the gentleman that was here uh, just recently passed. The gentleman we baptized. And uh, his, I got to spend some time with his sons and all. It was good. Baptism, the word baptism or baptize is the Greek word baptismo. Again, I'm going to use my Greek. I paid a lot for it. Three times I paid for that one class. Told you I'm not the best or brightest. <clears throat> I don't memorize well. I killed too many brain cells in my younger days. Um, the word baptismo means to immerse. When the translators translated this in 1611 and then in all the revisions up into 1769, they just took that word, um, baptismo, and made it into an English word, baptized. Because the practice of the church at that time was to sprinkle, not necessarily to immerse. So they just changed the word. It, mean, it, it means the same, but they could get away with practicing the other. And, and that's why we, we, we see this. But here's, here's what it is. The, the, it goes this way. Come to know Christ, and then you follow in, in, uh, in baptism. And I explained to children, we do a baptism up here, um, and we'll be doing that in a couple weeks. I have someone who's, who's ready to be baptized. That when you go and you stand in the water, your body in the water form a cross. That's a picture of Jesus at the cross. When you're lowered into that water, that's a picture of Jesus dying. When you go under the water, it's a picture of his burial. And when you're brought back up, it's a picture of his resurrection. And we celebrate baptism, one, because he's told us to do so. It's one of his commands. And then it's a picture showing what he has done for us. And we're declaring to the world through that that we believe that Jesus died on the cross, he was buried, and he rose again to take away our sins. It's a declaration. It's a picture. Fourth command that we need to obey. Love God and love people. Luke chapter 10 tells the story of, a, uh, uh, of the, the, the good Samaritan. And it talks about how this Samaritan, and, and if you're not real school with that, Jewish people hated Samaritans. They called them dogs. In fact, they, would, they, they hated Samaritans so much that, that if they were going from, say, Jerusalem up to uh, Galilee, they would go around Samaria because it was in between. They wouldn't take the direct route. Jesus did that one time because he had an appointment with a lady at the well. But most of the time they went, they would go uh, east, cross the Jordan, go north through Jordan, and cross the Jordan again to get to Galilee. I mean, you got to hate somebody pretty bad to do that. That would be like um, driving to Arcadia um, throughout King's Highway and go out to Arcadia 
and then come back in so you don't have to go through Sarasota. If you're going to Bradenton, you come in, uh, go up 17, then come back 64 through Ona and all that stuff. <laughs> it's crazy, right? They hated Samaritans. Yet they talk in this story about a priest and a Levite who, who saw this man who had been robbed and broken and, and, and needed help, and they wouldn't help him. But this Samaritan, this dog, took that man and ministered to him and gave money so that he be, could be taken care of. You see, we are to love God and love people. That's the great commandment. We are to love God with all our heart, soul, minds, all that. And we are to love our neighbor as ourself. That story of the Good Samaritan just shows that. You know, every Friday we give away food, and I appreciate y'all coming in and giving us food. And, and uh, I tell you what, it was 186 this week, Dennis. 184 families got food this week. It was 184 the week before. I think there's bigger and bigger need. And usually our, our foyer over there is just crammed full of stuff. It's empty, pretty close to empty. We'll be getting another shipment from the food bank in. But one of the ways that we can show and love on people is to, to, to provide some basic food for them. Well, what we give is not all that basic. It's Pop-Tarts and whatever we get from the food bank. But it's good. Chocolate candy. Oh, yeah, pinto bean flakes, whatever that is. You see, we are showing people God's love. We are loving on people. And see, we don't just give them out food. Good gracious, they get a gospel witness. They get prayed with. They show that they're cared for. You know, we need to do that everywhere. I think of these mops moms. Man, they got children. I, I have a daughter. Um, she's getting ready to move here. Um, she has a nine-month-old baby, and uh, she's a stay-at-home mom. And um, she's really looking forward to getting here and, and, and meeting some more people and being able to not just take care of that baby at home. I get she really her vocabulary is changing talking to that baby all the time. You know, for a couple hours a week a week, or a couple hours a month, one month, once a month they meet. For a couple hours they get a relief. We can take care of their children. They can be ministered to through the Word of God. That's loving others. That's loving God. We're taking care of His kids. They're taking care of the children. See, we got to love God and we got to love people. Football season's coming. Six games at home, home games. We're going to be uh, working the concession stand at Port Charlotte High. Selling whatever goodies they let us sell this year. Hopefully we'll be able to start doing french fries and burgers and dogs instead of all that prepackaged mess. We're going to be there loving on people. We're going to be able to get back into the schools with Good News Club and with uh, JYC and, and, and ministering. Um, I just got a list of topics I'm supposed to preach to the JV football team, and I'm excited about that. It's loving people, loving God. That's one of the things Jesus has commanded us to do. That's one of the things we need to be obedient with. Here's another one. Talk with God. He wants us to talk with him. He's commanded us to talk with him. 
In fact, Jesus gave us a model prayer in, in, in Matthew chapter 6. We call it a lot of times the Lord's Prayer. It's really a model prayer. He's teaching us how to, how to pray. If you want to read the Lord's Prayer, read John chapter 17. That's Jesus praying to God, and he actually prays for us in that, that prayer. That's a neat thing. But in Matthew it says, But when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to the Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when you pray, use not vain reputations as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask them. After this manner, or like this, therefore pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We need to talk to God. We need to pray. I, I truly believe that this is one of the things that, that, that as believers we've kind of let go of. We're really good about praying, asking God to do stuff for us. But did you ever look at this? It's, this prayer starts that our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It's lifting God up. That's worshiping God for who he is. He's something that's so much other and bigger than anything we can imagine. We need to treat him that way. He's holy. And then it goes on and it says, thy kingdom come, thy, be, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Lord, come back. Establish your kingdom here. Oh, and by the way, I want your will to be done here on earth. I think that's where we get hung up sometimes. We want our will done here on earth. I wonder if sometimes we pray against God's will because we want to see things work out our way. We want his will done. His will is the best. Then it goes on talking about provision. Hey, give us our daily bread. Forgive us and we let, help us to forgive others. Help us not to, to, to fall into temptation. Help us to be delivered from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. You end up with praising God once again. We need to pray. We need to communicate with God. That's what he wants us to do. If we're going to be obedient to, to this new covenant, we're going to be obedient to the commands of Christ. We need to pray. We need to remember, and we need to commemorate Jesus. Luke twenty-two fourteen through 20. See if this sounds familiar. And when the hour was come, he sat down with the 12 apostles with him. And he said unto them, with desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup, and he gave thanks, and said, take this. And divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he gave it unto them saying, This is my body which is given for, given for you. This do you in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup after the supper saying, This cup is a new testament in my blood which is shed for you. Remember. Remember and commemorate Jesus. I'm going to tell on myself. I had planned to do communion today. You know, we have all those little cups 
with a little wafer on the top in the cup. And, and I went in and I opened one of those and I tasted it. It's vinegar. So I really didn't want to do communion with, with a soured grape juice and um, um, have people get sick on me. So we'll order that and we'll celebrate the Lord's Supper in, a, in another week or two. But I want you to understand, we need to commemorate. We need to never, ever, ever forget that shed blood, that broken body that Christ has given us so that we can have eternal life. We're to give. Acts chapter 4 talks about that the, the, everybody was with one heart and one soul. The whole church was together, and, and they, they shared everything that they had, and no one lacked, and, and people were selling things and giving it to the need. Listen, I'm not sure that we're in that position of having to sell everything and pooling it together just for us to survive. Understand that had to happen for them because when they came to know Christ, their family would shut them off. They'd close their business. They would close their livelihood. So these, fa these families came together and took care of each other. But as believers, we have an opportunity to give, not only to, to take care of the, uh, the facilities and the things that we do here, but we have an opportunity now as we're going to take a special offering today to, to help establish a medical clinic in the Dominican Republic. 500 people a day will be seen. This is one of the poorest areas there is. <clears throat> we have an opportunity to help with that. And we're going to have an opportunity to go down and build. So if you're a builder, we'll, we'll go to Dominican Republic. We have an opportunity. We have Corey and Jessica are here. They're missionaries to Taiwan. They're here on the break. And we support them because, you know, we're supposed to go to all the world. Oh, by the way, that's the next point. But I can't get up and go uh, on the airplane and go to Taiwan and speak Chinese enough to make any difference. In fact, the only languages I speak other than English that I don't do too well with, but I really just know dirty words in other languages. <laughs> you laugh, but you do too. That's the first things you learn. <clears throat> I wasn't always a preacher. So we give so that we can send them to Taiwan. We give that we have other missionaries to go. We give so that we can, we can take care of the needs of others. We Just like God gave his son to us, we give so that others can live. That's the idea. And then we pass it on. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Pass it on. You know, you, you know what I can do? I can take all those eight things we just talked about and turn it into four things. Love God, love people, make disciples, and make disciples. You see, once we partake of that new covenant, when we take care of that new covenant, our sins are forgiven. We are, we are like, uh, uh, when God looks at us, he sees Jesus. We don't, all that baggage is gone. He never bring it up against us again. We should be about doing his commands. We should be loving God with all our heart. We should be loving people, and we should be teaching them and spreading the gospel. And those that respond, we are to teach them everything so they can go on. By the way, if you're here and you're a believer, somebody practice that. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that Jesus trusts us enough that we can do that too? So listen, I covered Easter the rest of this book, so we're just going to talk about this new covenant. 
the old covenant was made with Israel, and they had to go through sacrifice after sacrifice and all of these different things. The new covenant is given to all. If you're here and you've never received that covenant, you've never received Christ as your Savior, uh, do that. Don't wait. If you're out there watching this and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, look, it's not complicated. And that may be the problem for us. We like to complicate things. You ever notice that? You ever try to read uh, uh, instructions from uh, an Ikea project? Man, we complicate things. God keeps it simple. You see, you just have to recognize the fact that you can't pay your way to get to glory, to get to heaven. But God paid it for you. And you need to put your faith into what Jesus did on that cross as he made this new covenant. That's what gets you to heaven. Then we're to be obedient. Just to love on God. Love on God's people. All people. And make disciples make disciples. We can rejoice in that. And by the way, have you ever noticed the simpler your life is, the really the easier things are? So today, let's partake in this new covenant. And let's glorify God with all that we do. Let's pray. Father, thank you for uh, your love and mercy. And Lord, uh, this new covenant. Lord, uh, thank you that it's not a complicated covenant. Thank you that there's not all those laws of the Old Testament and all those little things you have to do. And Lord, thank you that, well, you used that to show us that it is impossible for us to, to come to you without a, uh, an incredible sacrifice. Thank you that Jesus instituted this new covenant, overriding the old, that he shed his blood and broke his body that we might have eternal life. Pray, Lord, if there's one here that's never trusted you, that right now they'll just call on you, that they'll turn away from doing it themselves and place their faith in you. They will believe that you died and were buried and that you rose again to take away their sin. They will, that you want a relationship with them. And Lord, for us who know you, I pray, Lord, we'll continue to remember that we will love, that we will obey, and we will glorify you in all that we do. And we pray this in Jesus' name.